Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. And tonight I want to just uh, conclude uh, this last part of this message that, that the Lord uh, has uh, been teaching us for several weeks. And we've been talking about prayer, amen. How many of you uh, are praying more, Amen. I pray that your prayer life is, is increased, it's grown, it's matured, amen? Our prayer life is our connection to the Lord, amen? If we don't pray, we're living like in powerlessness. And the Bible talks about a, 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 godly, a, a, a godless or a powerless people in the last days. It actually talks about those people being like far from God because they don't resemble God. They don't, they don't walk in the authority and in the power that God has given us. But how many of you know the Lord has given us power? Amen? I said the Lord has given us power. That is when we pray, we are connected to the very power of God. We are connected to God himself. Amen? How many of you prayed this morning? Who, who woke up and prayed? Amen? You took time and, and you just asked God to, you know, maybe strengthen you for, for the day or, or just fill your heart with peace. Maybe you went through a hard time yesterday or maybe you just simply thank God. Amen? It's important to pray. Amen? Because a, a, a prayerful church is a powerful church. Can somebody say amen tonight? When you pray, that, that's where you are linked to the very power of God. And so I want us to get into the word, and I want us to just conclude tonight quickly. Uh, I've been giving you this acronym, and, and I've been giving you kind of like, you know, each letter in the word prayer, P-R-A-Y-E-R, -R, it stood for something else. Who remembers what P is for? Really quick. Personal personal time with God. Amen. What is our reverence? Exactly. Reverence to, to the God, to God. What is a asking God? Amen. What is Y yearning for God? Amen. What was E last week? Expectant or ex expectation from God. Amen. And tonight we're going to, we're going to get into the last one and that is receiving. Amen. Write that down. It's receiving. How many of you have ever received answer to prayer? Raise your hand. When you pray and God answers your prayer, it's like the best thing in the world. Amen? Because you realize that you are connected to the God of the heavens. Like it wasn't just anybody, right? Like it wasn't your neighbor, you know, it wasn't, you know, your boss. It was, it's literally the God of the heavens and the earth. He like heard you and he took time to personally listen to whatever it was that you were petitioning him for and he answered on your behalf. Wow. That's good news, amen. That is the most powerful thing I can think of to know that, that the God of this heavens, that he listens to his children. He listens and he's attentive. The Bible says that he's attentive to the cries of his people. But how many of you have seen God do something, you know, powerful and divine as a result of prayer? Has anybody ever seen God do something powerful and divine? There's a difference, right? Like sometimes we can pray for things and we can pray like, oh, God, I hope I get this job. And, and you know, lo and behold, you were the only applicant. <laughs> and you got the job, you know, and it's kind of like, oh, thank you, Lord. You know, I mean, that might be like a, a thing where, you know, it was really good and, and it was a blessing because we thank God for everything. But then there's some prayers that you pray, and there's sometimes you engage with the Lord, and those prayers, you know that's God and God alone. 
You know that there was no way that when you prayed that, that whatever it was that happened, whether it was a healing for somebody's life or it was somebody coming to Christ for the first time, you know, it was something like big, it was massive. Maybe it was a, you know, an actual like, you know, divine miracle where somebody's hand grew or somebody's, you know, you know, something like significant. You knew that it was only God. Those are powerful prayers. Those are powerful, powerful prayers. And may I remind you that time spent praying and waiting on the Lord and seeking after God will always abundantly be rewarded with himself. When you pray, he gives you himself. When you engage with the Lord, when you ask of God, when you get into that place where it's literally like you're sitting at a table with God. The Bible says that he, he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. But there's something so special about prayer because it's just like you would sit down, you know, for, for dinner with a loved one. You're sitting down and you're talking with God. And God is listening. And God begins to speak back to your life. What a table to be at. Amen? What a table to be at to know that you are engaging with the Lord. But everything that he gives us, church, is a part of his being. I'll say that one more time. Everything that the Lord gives us is a part of his, his person. And so who is the Lord? We have to ask ourselves this question. Isn't God all able? Amen? Isn't God all knowing? Amen? Isn't God capable of all things? Isn't he all powerful? This is who God is. Amen? And so when you pray, it is that power, it's the knowledge, it's the, it's the all-knowing, the all-ability that is released upon your life, and it is released through your prayers. So when we pray, everybody say, when I pray. When we pray, we should expect nothing less than to receive who he is in our life. When you engage with the Lord, we should expect nothing less but to receive him. And if you know him to be powerful, how many of you read your, your Bible today? Did you read the word? When you read through these pages, you cannot help but know that God is a powerful God. Amen? When you read through these pages, when you read through this, this, this love letter that, that God has given us to humanity, you cannot help but notice the power of God, the wisdom of God, the decision-making of God, the things that God does that we would never do. The way that God does something that we can never make it happen that way. God is, is supreme. He is all-knowing. He's so much higher than ourselves. And when you pray, when you go into that prayer closet, you must go in expecting to engage with this all-powerful, all-knowing God. And so if God is powerful, then it is power that is released through abiding and persistent prayer. I want us to read this story in Luke 18, if you have your Bibles Luke 18 and verse 1. Many of you have read this story before, but I'll, I'll read it to you tonight. Jesus was giving this example, this parable, and, and, and he's speaking. And he says this, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary, she pleaded. And for some time, this judge refused. 
It says, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she eventually won't come and attack me. Verse 6, and the Lord said this, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? It says, will he keep putting them off? He said, I tell you that he will see that they get justice and quickly. It says, but however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now this story is, is, is so packed full of truth and, and, and I want us to just hone in on a few things. But as we notice in this story, we notice that there's actually a lot of power here. There's a lot of power that was just released in, in, in this parable. And Jesus, the way he's explaining it about this, about this widow who needed justice against her adversary, she needed God's vindication. How many of you know what vindication means? It means to be set free from allegations. It means to be set free from blame or accusation. So she goes before this ungodly judge. Think about it. This guy is, is not a godly person, so therefore he has no reason to, to give her any kind of favor. He has no reason to kind of like, you know, unfold anything in her life. And she goes though pleading and pleading day after day and she persists in her prayer. And I want to stop there for a second and ask you, listen, when you are dealing with the situation, how many of you are persistent in your prayer? You see, sometimes we pray about it once and we just say, all right, well, I released it into the hands of God. And you go through a season and you notice that nothing changed, nothing happened. It's still the same. That issue is still lingering. It's still going on. Can I encourage you tonight to do what Jesus said, to not give up and to persistently pray? Persistently pray. How many of you have children? Raise your hands for all the parents in the house tonight. Amen. How many of you have persistent children? I have persistent children. My little one is so special. She's amazing. But my little one just wears me down every day. Dad, can I have a candy? It's like 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> like, no, you know, you got to wait till you eat lunch or something, you know, and and then she'll eat lunch, and right on cue, Dad, can I have a candy? Okay, fine, you can have a candy, one or two. She's a little negotiator, you know. She, she's, she's, not, she's, she's like, hey, while I'm here, I might as well ask for more. So she's like, one or two, one, just one, you know. And then we, we always give her kind of the, you know, the you know, stipulation. It's like, hey, if you eat a candy, that's it, you know, no more for the day. Then you got to go brush your teeth, okay? And so she, she knows the rules, but, but then it doesn't hurt to ask, you know, maybe around 6 or 7, around dinner time, can I have another candy? And I'm like, we already told you no, you already had one today. And it's so funny that she would trust her parents because you know what? As a father, I get a little weak, and there's some times where I'm like, okay, you can have another one. All right, you can have another one, but you better brush your teeth. You better brush your teeth when you're done. And I, I feel like the Lord is, is wanting us, like, as children, as sons and daughters of, of the Most High God, to actually have that loving persistence in a perfect and holy and just Father. 
to know that when you come to him time after time, you're not wearing out his ear. He's not getting bothered. He's not getting like upset, you know, that you keep coming and coming and coming. Because this unjust judge, he was bothered by it. He didn't care. He wasn't, you know, a man that, you know, had a godly heart in any way. And he, he, he was, you know, kind of maybe almost annoyed at her persistence. But God the Father is not that way. In fact, it's his delight. It is his delight to, to do for his children. It is his delight to open a door in your life. It is his delight to pour out a blessing upon your life. Because he is a righteous judge. Amen? He is a holy God. He is a perfect God. And so it moves the heart of God when you pray and you pray persistently. It moves the heart of God to release power upon a situation that you could be facing in your life. I don't know who in here has ever been tormented or accused or, or, you know, maybe just condemned by that voice of the enemy or constantly harassed or blamed, you know, or shamed from the enemy. But I believe at one time or another we all have. Where you failed God in some way, you know, you, you tripped up, you failed, and, and somehow, you know, there was, there was this thing that, you know, happened where you were like, you know what, you know, you, know you, you knew that you messed up. And so the enemy comes in as that voice of accusation, and his voice is constantly trying to, like, berate you before God. But I want to remind you tonight, church, that the most powerful voice is hearing from God in prayer. I'll say that again. The most powerful voice to be connected to is hearing from God in prayer. Because his voice says, no son, no daughter, I have redeemed you. It doesn't matter what the enemy has said, the way he condemns you, the way that he tries to bring you back into a lifestyle of sin. The Lord says over your life, I have redeemed you. I have bled for your sins. I have died and given my life upon the cross. And I have given you victory in every area of your life. And the Lord, when you pray and you come to him in prayer, he will remind you that the devil is a liar. The Lord will remind you that he is faithful. The Lord will remind you that the enemy is eternally defeated through the work of the cross. And your life is now hidden is in his. But if you don't pray, you will never know that. If you don't pray, you will never know this loving God that cares about you and desires the best for your life. Guess what? Unless you pray, unless you cry out to God the Father, unless you plead to him daily uh, on a daily basis, unless you cry out to your Father in heaven, unless you believe, you will never receive his voice, his heart, or his power over your life. It comes through prayer. It comes by engaging with the Lord on a daily basis and saying, Lord, I am here to meet with you. How many of you used your phone today to communicate with somebody? Amen? You probably used it a lot. I got this little notification on my uh, phone or whatever, and it said, like, you know, for those of you that use that iCloud thing, it said that my storage was, like, needing, you know, more storage and all that stuff. But I noticed the thing on there, like, you can check how much stuff is, like, stored in the cloud. And, like, 25% of, like, all my storage was, like, messages. It was like text messages and stuff. And I was like, man, that's a lot of messages. I don't need to save those. So I deleted it. And it's funny because like when we pray, it's, it's literally, you know, God is like hearing all of those messages. 
And he's storing all of those messages and he's listening to all those messages and he knows your heart and he's, he's coming back to those things and he's, he's reminded of those things. But listen, there's something that he's wanting us to learn in this process and it's not just to pray for things. It's ultimately to encounter him in the time of prayer. When you pray, you will receive him. How many of you know that we must pray? Amen? We're living in a season and a time in this world where we must pray. And prayer is actually setting the stage for the Lord to do something incredibly powerful. I'm seeing it all over the world right now. There's some tremendous things happening. There's some horrible things happening. But there's also some amazing things that are happening in this very same moment. How crazy is that? There's, you know, there was that horrible, horrible earthquake, you know, across the world. And there's so many people's lives that were lost. And there's so many different things that have been happening in the world and throughout the earth. But yet at the same time, we see that there's beginning to be an outpour of the Holy Spirit upon the land, upon the earth. And you want to know why that is? It's because people are praying. Amen? It's because people are crying out to him day and night. And people are not getting tired of calling upon this living God. People are not getting tired of that. They're saying, you know what, Lord, I want more of you, God. I'm not satisfied, God, just to sit in a Bible study for a few minutes on a Wednesday night, God, but I'm hungering and I'm longing for you. And that is literally the, the scripture talks about speeding the coming of the Lord. It talks about speeding the light. And there, there's this thing that happens, and, and I'm not saying that we could, you know, ever determine the day of God when he will return. But I will say this, the Lord is going to come at a time, church, when there are people that are desperately hungry and longing for him and desiring him more than anything. And there's also going to be a group of people that are heading the opposite direction. And we've got to be in the company of people that are truly longing for the Lord, that are truly hungering and burning after him. Because I don't want to be caught in the middle. I don't want to be one of those people that is literally in that lukewarm state that never prays, that needs a pastor to tell him every Wednesday night to pray, pray, pray. Listen, we can mature tonight and we can grow up a little bit and we can take up our cross and follow Jesus, amen? We've got to get to this place, church, where, where we're not have to be babied into the kingdom, but we actually do it for ourselves. In the book of James, it talks about not merely hearing the word of God, but doing it, living it out. I want Jesus more than anything. I'm longing to see the Lord face to face one day. That is my prayer. That is my heart's cry, church. And guess what? We must pray because power is released upon those who pray. But it's until you pray that he cannot give you a part of himself. The power only comes when you've spent time sitting with him. This is why Jesus had ascended to heaven and he told those people in the upper room, he told them to wait and pray for the most precious gift of heaven. He said, wait and tarry and pray for this most precious Holy Spirit that I am going to give you. And guess what, church? The Holy Spirit would not be released until there was an abiding and a longing and a hunger for God and God alone. It wasn't just because they were cooped up in a room. Think about that. I love that scripture in the book of Matthew chapter 13, and I believe it's verse 58, but it talks about how the Lord did not do many miracles in this particular area of, of a region because there was a lack of faith. Prayer is actually the opposite of that. Prayer is faith. 
Prayer is calling upon an unseen God whom you cannot see, but believing that as you pray, his presence will descend upon that place where you are. That his presence will begin to manifest in your life in power in, in, as you pray. And so the power would never have been released to them unless they prayed. Billy Graham said this, he said, a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. A prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. Isaiah 40 and verse 29 says, He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. I want you to just read this with me tonight. Everybody say, He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Oh, man. Is that different? I'm sorry. I'll read that one. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. How many of you need his strength? Amen? Then we need to live a lifestyle of prayer. We need to make this part of our lifestyle. Something else that we can expect to receive in prayer is time spent in his presence. It brings physical, it brings emotional, it it, it brings spiritual and mental healing. So time spent in the presence of God, time spent in prayer, it brings the healing of God upon your life. It doesn't matter, you know, the circumstance or the report that you've been given. When you pray, you know that God will honor your prayers. When you come to him and you pray and you believe in faith, the Lord will honor your prayers. And if he said it and he said, I am the God that heals you, then we must what? Believe that. We must believe the scripture says that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. I want to read this story to you in 2 Kings. And we find this story of King Hezekiah. In verse 1 it says this. It says, in those days Hezekiah, he became very ill and he was at the point of death. It says, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, went to him and said this. This is what the Lord says. He says, put your house in order because you're going to die and you will not recover. Verse 2 says, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he, what? Say it. He prayed to the Lord. Let me stop right there just for a second. You realize what is happening. The prophet comes and literally gives this, this king a death sentence. He gives him a death sentence. He says, get your house in order, Hezekiah. Get everything ready. You you need to prepare, you know, for your exit in in this life. You need to make sure that the will's written. You need to make sure that all the the stuff is is prepared because you're about to leave this world. And the Bible says that Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. This was his prayer. He says, remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully. And with wholehearted devotion, and I have done what is good in your eyes. And it says, and Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, it says, the word of the Lord came to him. He says, go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I have heard your prayers and have seen your tears, and I will heal you. He says, on the third day from now on, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. He said, and I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant, David. 
What a powerful story. What a powerful story. If that doesn't teach you, you know, and illustrate what prayer is and what prayer is able to do, and when you pray, when you are connecting to the God of the universe, I don't know what else will. But imagine being Hezekiah, being given that death sentence, being literally placed in that, in that moment where, you know, you're asked to prepare for your ending. Make the arrangements, call the funeral home, you know, get the casket ready and, you know, pay for and, and all that stuff. Because that's stuff that you do when you're about to, when you're about to go, unfortunately. You make arrangements. Maybe you buy a plot of land. Maybe you, you get your house in order. You tell your sons or your daughters, hey, this is what you need to do after I'm gone. You prepare them because you're about to leave. Write out the will and get everything ready. And even maybe you make peace with other people because you know that you're about to go. That's what people do before they know that they're about to die. They get their house in order. But instead of being shaken by that report, Instead of being moved and just bothered by everything, that he, the news that was just given to him, this king knew and he trusted in the kingdom that could not be shaken. And so he prayed. He prayed and he called upon the Lord and he pleaded to God. And the Lord moved on his behalf. I'll never forget in 2020 in April, many of you, some of you know this, some of you might remember or not remember, but in April of 2020, you know, this was like the first month that the pandemic had started, and I know some of you were here and some of you weren't, but we were having, <laughs> DJ and I were, you know, recording ourselves, and we were live streaming services, and, and it was kind of funny, uh, really awkward, you know, first couple months, and you guys were watching church on YouTube and, you know, through your phone and TV and stuff like that. And in the beginning of the month, Pastor Soto became gravely ill. And, and I remember we, we had a, a, a service and we were recording the service because we were actually recording them ahead of Sunday. And it's kind of this whole process that we started. And we were here and he was going to record and, and he couldn't record because he felt really, really sick. And I'll never forget, like, you know, he's like, I got to call the doctor and, and I need to go. And, and his doctor at, at the time and still is, is, you know, up in Houston, Texas. And so, you know, I think it was like the following day that, you know, he, he felt so bad. He's like, I got to leave. So he left and, and he told me to, you know, prepare and get ready for Sunday and all these things. And many of you know what, what was about to happen next. He was up there for a few days and his liver was literally failing him. Like it was just it was done. It wasn't functioning. He was, you know, swelling up with water and, and he was, you know, he couldn't breathe and, and like it was really, really bad. And he called me a few days and, and he said, son, I need you to get ready. I don't know what's going to happen. But everything that I've taught you, everything that I've showed you, You'll know what to do. Just be ready. And it was literally within like a day or something, we found out later that he miraculously, God moved. And that he was going to get this liver and, and that there was a transplant that was ready for him because he had been waiting years for it, like five years, I think. 
And I remember when he gave me that news, it shook me and it, and it, and it, it kind of hurt me because it brought me to the realization that, you know what, he might not, might not come home. And I remember when he spoke those words to me, I, I went inside my house and I was outside at the time when he called and I went inside and I, I told my wife and we prayed and I know that many of the church and people in, in the church were praying as well, but we prayed and we just asked God to intervene. We said, Lord, I don't think it's time, Lord, but, but we're just going to trust you, God. We're going to see what only you can do, Lord, and, and, and we're going to believe, God, that you're able and that you're more than able, God, to, to perform a miracle in his life. And within hours, we find out that he's going to get a brand new liver. Find out that he's going to get a brand new liver. Then he gets his brand new liver and, and, you know, within months, you know, God, you know, begins to restore his life. And now you know that he's here and he's healthy and he's, he's you know, still working and he's still serving Jesus and he's still glorifying God. Amen. Can somebody give God praise? But I say all of this to say that, you know, in just a couple of weeks, he'll have his three-year anniversary from that transplant date. But I say all of that to say that, listen... The enemy can have an agenda over your life, and the enemy can, can propose that, you know what, your days are done. Your life is over. But I would like to propose that when the church prays, heaven can shift anything around. Just like when Hezekiah prayed, you know what, he got a report that said, Hezekiah, put your house in order. Your days are done. And Hezekiah did not receive that report. He said, you know what, I'm going to cry out to my God. I'm going to cry out to God. And when I pray, I believe that my God will hear me. And the faithfulness of God said, you know what, Hezekiah? Because I have seen that you have faith, because I have seen that you believe, because I have seen that you trust me, I will add 15 years to your life. That's a good prayer to pray. Come on, somebody. I said, that's a good prayer to pray. In Psalms chapter 30, verse 1, it says this. It says, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. It says, Lord, my God, I called out to you for help and you healed me. He says, you, Lord, brought me up out of the realm of the dead and you spared me from going down into the pit. Don't you know that we have a limitless God? I said, we have a limitless God, church. There's nothing impossible for the Lord and whatever kind of healing your life may need whether it's physical it's emotional you know whatever the punishment that Jesus bore upon the cross gave us access to healing amen it could be the healing of emotional scars or physical ailments the healing of relationships or more but when you take it to him in prayer you must believe that it is already yours you must go into that place of prayer and believing that it is already yours because even if that headache exists while you pray, soon enough it will disappear in the presence of God. Amen? This is the power of prayer. Can I tell you, church, that one of the biggest lies of the enemy is that God is unable. The enemy will plague your life with that every single day. That somehow that this God who is able to do many, many, many things is somehow he is unable or that God is powerless. And that lying seed that the enemy wants to plant into our heart and in our lives, that lying seed is often sown in moments when we need to pray the most. That's the way the devil works. He'll kick you when you're down. 
He'll try to deceive you when you're down. He will try to, you know, just continue to just torment your life even after it is poured and poured and poured. Even after it is, it is just, you know, the enemy has come in like a flood in your life. And so that, that seed of, of a lie is always sown in those moments when we need to pray the most. Because even the enemy knows, church, firsthand the power that the kingdom of heaven possesses. Because after all, every time Jesus came back, uh, after a moment in time with prayer, demons were cast out. You see, you don't think that the enemy knows the power of prayer. Every single time that, that Jesus went into that prayer closet, every time that Jesus spent time with his father in prayer, guess what? Every time he came out from that place, demons trembled. He said, oh no, who is this one that has the authority to cast us out? It didn't matter how many they were. It didn't matter how many were in, in a man. You remember that story where there, there was many demons in that one man and, and, and they, they asked him the name. They said, what is your name? They said, legion, for we are many. And Jesus having all authority, everybody say all authority, all authority. There's nothing outside of his realm of authority. There is nothing outside of his ability to touch it, to move it, to change it, or to transform it. He has all authority. Jesus goes up to this man and he asks them and he says, what should I do? Talk about authority. He could have just rebuked him. He could have just sent him out and he could have just said, you know what, get out of this guy. Stop tormenting his life. But he asked him, so what do you want me to do? He said, would you throw us into that herd of pigs? Go. True authority, true power, true presence is found in the moments when you engage with the Lord. Outside of that relationship with God in prayer, there is no power and there is no authority. The enemy knew that every time Jesus spent time with the Father, evil spirits were sent packing because Jesus had prayed. And the enemy wants you to believe that lie that it's pointless to pray. Think about that. The enemy always wants you to believe the lie that somehow it's pointless to pray. But can I tell you and encourage you tonight, church, that when you pray, chains are broken. Amen. I said, when you pray, bodies are healed. Amen. I said, when you pray, the heavens are moved when, when you pray. When you pray, church, your father shows up on the scene. When you pray, church, there is forgiveness of sin. When you pray, there is strength renewed. When you pray, there is wisdom given over your life. This is the power of prayer. This is the power of praying to this God. There's this seven letters, seven words rather, that I want you to hear tonight. They're so important. And if we don't apply them to our life, then I believe that we'll live a powerless, defeated life. And there should be no powerless Christians. Amen. There should be no defeated Christians because if the work is already finished, then we should be able to walk in that authority and the victory that Christ paid for for our life. But I want you to remember these seven words. We have not because we ask not. I'll say it one more time. We have not because we ask not. Hmm. You know that the church will stay dead as long as you're dead in your prayer life? 
Your ministry will never flourish until you pray more than you play. <laughs> Amen? The church won't see revival until the people of God get on their knees and wear the carpet out. <laughs> the church won't see revival, church, until we wear out our voices crying out to heaven. The church won't see revival until we wear the world out of our lives, until we wear themselves out, until we finally submit ourselves to the plan of God. Do you long for the Lord? Do you desire him more than anything? Is his presence all that you need? Is his presence all that you want? Because I remember that song that says he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands, but the only way we can receive heaven is when we pray. How many of you know, church, that there's nothing our God cannot do? There's nothing that our God cannot do. And lastly, I want you to believe that you'll always step out of your time of prayer with God's wisdom and plan for your life. So when you pray, when you engage with the Lord in prayer, you should come out of that place with the wisdom of God with the knowledge of God, with the discernment of God. James chapter 1 and verse 5 says, If any one of you lacks wisdom, it says, Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. It says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. It says, For let not that man suppose that he would receive anything, from the Lord. How many of you need direction and wisdom? <laughs> we need it every day. We need it more than we rely on it. I'll say that. That's the truth. We need it way more than we actually rely on it. We're used to making decisions for our own life because we think, well, you know what, I already know this and I already know that. But that doesn't mean that that's where God wants you to, to step. It doesn't mean that's what God wants you to do. You can have a plan for your life, but listen, if you ever want to make God laugh, show him your plans. If you ever want to, to, to humor God, show him your plans. And the Bible says that in the book of Proverbs that the Lord thwarts the plans of his people. That means that he nicely tears them up and says, you know what? I have a better plan. I have a plan that you can never perceive, that you can never wrap your mind around. I have a plan for your life that is so powerful, it's so awesome. If you would just trust in me to walk out this plan every single day, then follow me. God doesn't make mistakes for your life. The things that you've gone through up until this point and the things that you've experienced in your life, the heartache, the pain, the trauma, the, the you know, different circumstances and situations, all of these things were meant ultimately to be used for your good. To be used for the good of the kingdom. To be used as a testimony. Because the Bible says that for those who have received comfort from the Lord, that we would comfort others also. There's something that God is building inside each and every one of us through our testimony and through, you know, this life that he's given us. But listen, he is wanting us to ultimately trust in him and to ask him for wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 3 says, If you call out for insight and you cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and you search for it as for hidden treasure... 
It says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. It says, for the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. You see, we need the fear of the Lord. Amen. We need the wisdom of God. We need the wisdom of heaven over our lives. We need the understanding that only God can give in the days and the times that we're living in. Because unless we walk in wisdom, unless we are applying the truth that we know, and unless we are a people of prayer, we'll never be able to walk in the Spirit. We need to serve Him. Amen? We need his wisdom to serve people. We need him to serve him. (laughs) We need his power in our life to be able to serve him and to walk in him and to love him. We need his knowledge for our life, you know, of being a believer. We need everything about him. And his promise is to us, churches, that he would give wisdom generously to those who ask. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.